And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to The Real Investment Show. Of course, it's another week as we move into June. Of course, Texas now preheating for the summer. If you haven't noticed, it's starting to warm up outside a bit. Um, by August, we'll be at full temperature. So if, you're, if you've moved to Texas recently and you're like, man, it's hot, it, it ain't hot yet. We're just, just, just starting to warm up the oven a little bit. Got more to come. Uh, if, you're, if you're a native of Texas, you understand what I'm talking about. So um, a couple of things coming up this week, of course, very important. We have uh, the FOMC meeting this week. Um, of course, this is to be the, the next innovation of the Federal Reserve. Are they, will they, won't they? What's going to be the deal uh, with interest rates? Will they hike? Will they not hike? Uh, we'll find out uh, on the 14th. So that's right around the corner. So markets are kind of eyeballing that this morning. Also, we have inflation data out this week, as well as quad witching on Friday. That means every type of options contract, index stock, futures contract, etc., all expire on Friday. So uh, potential for a bit of volatility on Friday as those contracts have to be rolled over, positions have to be bought or sold relative to what's going on. And of course, we've got a lot of speculation in the markets. Retail investors back in vogue right now. They are just dumping money back into the market as fast as they can, uh, primarily in a lot of tech stocks, as we've seen here over the last few days. But actually, last week, uh, we've been talking about this potential for a sector rotation. That was also the subject of our newsletter this past weekend, that you know we'd see some money kind of rotate into other areas of the markets. We saw that. A lot of buying of small mid-cap stocks uh, last week. So a big surge in those indexes now. Uh, again, while they had a nice little uptick last week, they are lagging the major markets by a major extreme. But it wasn't surprising to see investors go, hey, there's something that hasn't moved up yet. Let's buy that. And, and so we did see a little bit of an uptick in some of those out-of-favor assets last week. Will it continue this week, of course, is the real question, right? Are we going to continue to see a rotation? But the big headline you're going to hear all week, and this is starting today, of course, is that we are now back in a new bull market. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the market's up 20% from their lows on the S&P. Uh, we've been in a bull market on the NASDAQ here for a while, but from the S&P lows, we're now up over 20% from that low. So using the age-old historical measure of bull and bear markets, if you're up 20%, it's a bull market. If you're down 20%, it's a bear market. Of course, that hasn't really meant a whole lot over the last few years because the deviation from long-term moving averages and bullish trend lines, et cetera, particularly going back in, into 2019-2020 when we had that huge advance uh, of the markets because of all that money that we stuck in there uh, from uh, uh, the government, we had this huge advance in the markets which, which drove prices so far above the long-term bullish trend line that the correction we saw in 2022 simply just brought you back to the trend line. So even though the markets were down more than 20%, really not in a bear market because you were just coming down to the long-term bullish trend. And so really the market still remained in, in a bullish trend. We have not violated that since 2009. So really we've had a correction last year and we've had a bounce off that correction. The markets really, in, ter in those terms, right, of a correction, um, when you have a correction, market pulls back to support and then it rallies back to new highs. And that's really kind of what this market's been doing here 
um, really since October. So despite the fact that we've had a very big swing in prices, the market's really acting much more normal relative to a correctional process of the market rather than a bear market, right, which is what everybody was talking about. But as we've said before, a bear market is when markets change the trend in prices. In other words, the trend of the prices is lower. You break long-term trend lines. You break those things. Uh, like we saw in 2008 as an example, you broke the bullish trend lines. Prices trended negative for over a year. And then you kind of formed a bottom and then you created this base for a bull market. We've never really done that so far. But nonetheless, uh, markets are up sharply um, since October and now everybody's all excited. It's a new bull market. So we've got, got, got to be back in, right? That's the whole issue. Uh, be a little careful with that, uh, you know, jumping into the markets because you're going to see a lot of this kind of conversation over the next week. Um, right now, the, the NASDAQ, let's take a look at the NASDAQ for a moment because it's a, it's a really good kind of position uh, to look at considering that a lot of the rally this year has been on the back of AI stocks, etc. But the NASDAQ is 20% above its 200-day moving average. Now that's an extreme deviation. Now you're more than three standard deviations above the 50-day the the, the moving average, but you're well above that on the 200-day moving average. And 20% deviations from the 200-day moving average have only occurred 15 times since 1983. Now, having that deviation is certainly bullish, right? But you're going to get a correction here. And in fact, if we take a look at our, our MACD indicator for the NASDAQ, it's about to trigger a sell signal here. We've already got a sell signal triggered on our money flow index. So again, that correctional process is going to occur to alleviate some of this extension here in the short term. The question is just when will that occur? But, you know, but if we go back and look at the market, the NASDAQ in particular, over the last you know, five years or so, it, it's pretty easy to see that when you have these types of extreme deviations uh, in the markets, that you're going to get a correction. In fact, there's only been a few periods that we have had the MACD as an example, this elevated, and every one of those resolved in some sort of correctional process over that time frame. So again, doesn't mean the markets have to have a big bear market, but a correction back towards that 200-day moving average would not be surprising. So again, as you said before, be careful about getting too excited about the market. Yes, the markets are trending positively. There's no reason not to be invested. The question is now is just how to get your capital back to work in the market. Wait for a bit of a pullback here. Markets are a bit ahead of themselves. When the market pulls back, we're going to get a correction. Then we can add money and, and get our money off the sidelines a little bit more judiciously than doing it, just kind of jumping in willy-nilly and expecting this market just to continue to advance higher. Now, I will tell you this. The markets are likely to end up higher here sooner than later. And the reason for that is, is that when you have this kind of deviation from the 200-day moving average, prices over the next 12 months tend to be higher. Doesn't mean they just go straight higher. Again, you're going to get a pullback but likely any pullbacks that you get from here towards those moving averages are going to be buying opportunities, not selling opportunities. The market has changed its psychology. Money is moving back into the markets and there's a lot of capital sitting in money markets where people have been hiding out here instead of putting money into equities. They've just been sticking into a money market fund in their investment account. That money will rotate back into stocks. So again, this is going to be one of those issues that continues to kind of frustrate the more bearish outlooks. Again, we've had a tremendous amount of bearish data out there, economics, et cetera, and the markets really have not been paying attention to this. Now, could the Federal Reserve 
change their change the market's attitude on Wednesday? Absolutely. Another rate hike with some very hawkish language about further rate hikes would certainly impact companies, particularly like tech stocks, which are dependent upon lower rates and disinflation in order to fuel their earnings growth. So if the, if the Fed comes out extremely hawkish, that could certainly take the wind out of the market short term and create that correction that we're talking about. So again, there's certainly some issues out there that could cause the market to pull back towards support. But as long as those supports hold and the markets remain in a good positive trend that we've been in since October, those are buying opportunities, not selling opportunities. But be a little careful jumping in the markets right now. Again, markets are a bit ahead of themselves, a little bit too much exuberance here over the course of the last couple of weeks. So again, expect a bit of a correction sometime over the next month or so. But again, that's going to be an opportunity for capital to work. And you certainly want to do that. Okay, got a lot of stuff to get into this morning. So stick around. More of the Real Investment Show coming up after the break. Our newsletter this weekend talked a lot about sector rotation, why it works, how it works. It's all on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click on the newsletter link at the top. Our latest daily market commentary is out. And I've got a couple of really good blog posts for you this week as well. Realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Oh, Red, I declare. I plum missed that candy coffee. Whatever am I going to do? Don't you worry, little darling. We'll watch it again on our YouTube channel. Why, Red? I never. The Real Investment Show YouTube channel has all of our past presentations from Candid Coffee and Lunch and Learn, the special topic discussions, and all of our live show recordings preserved for you. Subscribe now to the Real Investment Show YouTube channel or look for the link on our website at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. So welcome back to the show this morning. So just a little bit more on this idea of a new bull market, because this is going to be this is the hard part for people to kind of wrap their heads around right now. And, you know, when you hear you're going to hear a lot of headlines about the new bull market, the bull market's back. We're up 20 percent from the lows. That means we're in a new bull market, et cetera. Now, there's, you know. Again, as I was saying, we never actually had a bear market. We had a correction last year. Markets were down more than 20%, yes, but we never broke the bullish trend from the 2009 lows. So it was a correction. It wasn't a bear market. And the market's acting as it does during a correction, which is once you have a correction, stocks rally back up to previous highs. And that's exactly what the market's trying to do right now. But that doesn't mean that stocks are just going to go straight back to new highs. It doesn't mean you're not going to get some corrections along the way. So again, it's, it's important to be patient and wait for your opportunities to put some capital to work. We need to put more capital to work in our portfolios. Um, we're underweight some of our tech names that we need to add to. So we'll wait. We'll be patient and let the stocks pull back to some level of support Then we can add to those names. And you'll see us do that. So, you know, we post all of our trades every week in our newsletter. So if you uh, read our weekly newsletter. If you subscribe to it at the website, we email it out every Saturday. At the bottom of the newsletter, we post all of our trades that we make for the week, so you can kind of keep up with what we're doing. But this has been a very challenging market uh, over the last year, really since October, because there's so much news out there 
or data, I should say, not even news, the actual data that suggests that the economy's struggling. So how can the market be going up when you have an economic environment that certainly suggests that the economy is slowing down? Have a lot of economic data that throughout its history has never been wrong about predicting a recession, which it's predicting a recession now, but yet the markets are rallying. Now, I want you to be careful with this commentary about a 20% rally, too. Go back to July and August of last year. The markets had a 20% rally, actually a little bit more. And there was a lot of headlines about, well, you know, every time you've had a 50% retracement of the Fibonacci, you know, drawdown, that's been the end of a bear market. Um, you've had a 20% rally, we're in a new bull, and shortly after that, that was the end of that rally, and we went to new lows. Now, the big difference was, the big difference was back then, is that the market was rallying to the 200-day moving average. It was below the 200-day moving average, and it was rallying up to it. It failed at the 200-day moving average and turned lower. So while everybody was predicting a new bull market at the time, saying, oh, bull market's back, we're up 20%, no. We had a 20% rally from the low, but it was only to the context of getting back to resistance at the 200-day. The difference this time is that we're 20% above the moving average. We've cleared the 200-day moving average resistance. We've broken the downtrend from the January 2022 highs. There's a lot of reasons to suggest that the decline from last year is over. We're not back to new highs yet but we're probably going to get there. Question is just when. Is it, you know, next month, the rate we're going? <laughs> or is it over the next 12 months? Do we get a pullback first and some flopping around and then another advance higher? My, my bet would be as that this market advance is going to slow down here a bit. But who knows? Could be entirely wrong. There's enough people now getting excited about the market as i was saying retail investors who just last month were really capitulating on the stock market retail purchases of stocks had declined to one of the lowest levels we've seen really over the last year or so and just in the last month has come roaring back investors retail investors are just piling money into stocks as fast as they can right they're chasing nvidia and apple and microsoft and tesla tesla's had a huge run Interesting little side note for Elon Musk. Elon Musk spent $44 billion buying Twitter. And, of course, a lot of people have been ragging on him because of the issue of buying Twitter for $44 billion. And, of course, advertisers left and the, the left is angry that he's turned it into a place for free speech, blah, 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 blah. Right. So lots of hatred. Got it. You know, a lot of people hate Elon Musk for buying Twitter and, you know, wrecking the the Liberal Party a bit. But just, you know, an interesting side point, the rally in Tesla has now increased Elon's net worth by about $60 billion. So basically, he bought Twitter for free, <laughs> if you take a look at it that way. But Tesla's had a huge rally, right? Because of these deals that uh, Tesla's been cutting with Ford and GM to use their chargers. 
etc. It's been it's been good for Tesla. But Tesla has been one of those stocks also participating in this AI rally. The expectation is that AI will be infused into electric vehicles. And Tesla will probably lead the way on that since Elon has been investing in companies like ChatGPT <clears throat> and some of these artificial companies. So expectation is that he will lay, layer that artificial intelligence into the vehicles at some point, which could be a bit scary. But that's a different, different issue. So these stocks have been leading the charge here. And, and as I've said, you know, these seven stocks in particular have been lifting the index. And without those stocks, the index is up about 2.5% for the year versus 12% for the S&P as a whole, including those seven. So in other words, almost the entirety of the gains this year have come from just seven stocks. And again, that's, that's not unusual. We see this before. We've seen this before in the past. But it's a function of what's going on. Now, narrow markets can last a lot longer than you think. A lot of people have been saying, oh, well, this market's, gonna, it's, you know, this market's about to blow up because you can't have seven stocks driving the whole market. Yeah, you can, and it can last for a while. There is a truth to the fact that narrow markets are not healthy and narrow markets tend to have a correction. At some point, these seven stocks will correct for whatever reason. You know, markets are a function of herd mentality. It has Sometimes stocks will do things simply because somebody in the crowd raises their hand and says, I'm out. And as soon as that person does that, the next person says, okay, I'm out too. And then a whole bunch of people jump on the herd train and they're all, they're all out and you get a correction. Stock prices has nothing to do with the change to the economy or anything else. It's just simply a change in sentiment. And it happens. And this is why markets go up and they go down. Then they go up and they go down again, right? There's just a flow of psychology within the market. It's how the herd acts. It's how the market works. So, yes, these stocks will correct. And, yes, you have not missed the opportunity to invest in these companies. You will get an opportunity. You know, unfortunately, the way this often works is that you look at a stock and you go, wow, this stock's expensive. I can't buy it here. Then it goes up even more. And then it corrects back to where it was too expensive before you to buy before. But now it's actually a good buy. That's the way markets work. So we'll get that opportunity to put some capital to work in these stocks. It's just we've got to be a little patient here. But back to all the economic data, right? This is the, the challenge that we face as investors. It's like, yes, Lance, but... Look at all this data over here. It says a recession's coming. If a recession's going to come, then we're going to have this problem. And, and yes, I agree. I'm actually writing an article for you on Friday to talk specifically about these indicators. It says, hey, a recession's coming. Those haven't changed. Those indicators have actually gotten worse in some conditions, not better. But the market does its own thing sometimes. And so sometimes we have to separate what the data says from the markets because the markets can detach from this data for a period of time doesn't mean it won't eventually catch up two things are going to happen either the market's going to catch up with the economy or the economy will catch up with the market one of the two but it'll happen but this is the challenge so as i said though over the course of the next you know couple of weeks We're going to hear a lot of headlines about the new bull market. In fact, you know, just Yahoo Finance this morning, 
their headline is, it's a bull market, period. Really, period. And it's interesting to read the article because the guy that wrote, wrote it, he says, look around today in the world of business news and out your door, it doesn't feel like a bull market. And that's probably good for profit-seeking bulls. Target stock has been slapped with two high-profile Wall Street rating downgrades in as many weeks on fears of shopper, shoppers buying a lot less of things they don't need this summer. Campbell Soup CEO conceded to me last week in a Yahoo Finance Live interview that cheaper private label soups are gaining traction. More customers are trading down. Another consumer CEO, uh, he is more concerned with executing a major round of layoffs and planning for a cautious holiday shopping season. Jeweler Signet said people are buying cheaper engagement rings in what was deemed a lackluster set of quarterly results last week. And hotel chains such as Marriott and Hilton are seeing strong demand this summer, according to their respective execs, but United Airlines is also. So again, dichotomy. People are buying cheaper rings, but spending money on experiences. Kind of a new trend. Millennials like experiences over things. But he goes on, he says, but by and large, it doesn't feel like a rip-roaring bull market in stocks that has everyone out in the street jumping for joy, yet the bull market has returned, technically speaking. You're going to see a lot of these headlines. And it's going to be a challenging period over the next few weeks. We just have to navigate it for what it is. All right, quick break. Come back. More of the Real Investment Show coming up. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com so welcome back to the show this morning of course uh heading into summer kids are uh out of school and uh, my daughter came over this weekend, and uh, you know she's junior in high school now, starting to starting to spread her wings a bit. You know, becoming a, a lovely young lady, very pretty. And you know, for you know when she was little, she was like all other. She was she was very much a tomboy when she was growing up, right? She played. You know, I, she has two brothers, and playing with her two brothers, rough and tumble, etc. And you know, half the time it was tough to get her into take a bath, right? It was just, you know, she was into that phase. And, uh, you know, now she's uh, she's blossomed, of course, and, and turned into a lovely young woman. And she came over this weekend and she was hitting my wife up. She's like, uh, you know, you know, my nails are just, you know, really in bad shape. And so my wife takes things. She's like, okay, I'll take you to go get nails done this weekend. So they were going to have a little girl's trip on Saturday, go have lunch, go get their nails done. Unbeknownst to me, inflation has <laughs> impacted 
the world, right? I see. I see. I live a very myself personally. I live a very frugal life. I I, I drive a I, I drive a car that is fully paid for and not fancy by any stretch of the imagination, and you know I eat healthy. So most of the stuff I buy at the store, I fix at home, and you know so. I, you know, I wear socks that are like 20 years old and, and if they have a hole in them, I stitch them back up and, you know, I just don't spend a lot of money on myself personally. Right. So inflation doesn't really affect me too much personally. And uh, so my wife takes my daughter and of course our other daughter hears the story that, oh, so my sister's going to get her nails done. Well, I have to go too now. My older daughter, she's, you know, in college and she's now supposed to be doing, you know, things of her own and paying for these things herself. And uh, but, you know, my wife's a little bit of a softie. So she's like, yeah, OK, fine. You can go along, too. So they go have lunch and nails turns into hair highlights. <laughs> and I get the bill. Yeah, inflation has hit. <laughs> the female population. <laughs> what was the damage? You don't even want to know. Don't, I, I, I don't, uh, yeah, it's going to take me a week's worth of work to get this thing paid off. So, <laughs> middle three figures? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is uh, it's quite amazing. But anyway, it is what it is. But they look very pretty now, by the way. Like a million are, bucks. They they look like a million bucks. Absolutely. But yeah, I was I now get what y'all are talking about when y'all say inflation, because that's it's definitely hit the uh, cosmetic industry. <laughs> so anyway. But they had a good time. They had they had a good time. So it was it was a good they you know, use it for, you know, bonding and yeah. hanging out and of course, then, you know, grandma has to come along and, you know, <laughs> aunt has to come along and it's, it turns into a big girls party. So you like it now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you be careful with that. <laughs> You're going to get Asian hate. <laughs> um, anyway, so talk, but talking about the economy, right, this is, you know, kind of the big issue. And as as we were, you know, discussing it's it's this is going to be a real challenge now for Investors and I was having this conversation with Adam uh, Taggart on our Wealthion inter uh, interview that we do every Friday. We do a podcast uh, with Wealthion, and I talk with Adam about you know the markets and what's going on. If you haven't watched it, uh, you can pick it up on our webs on our YouTube channel. We have a link to it on our YouTube channel, so you're welcome to 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 watch that. But we always spend about an hour and a half on a Friday, just kind of talking about markets and economy and everything going on in general. And this has been you know, kind of the interesting thing, because, again, a lot of the people that Adam interviews are very negative, right? So I get a lot of these emails from people going, okay, you know, so-and-so said the economy's about to crash and this is going to happen and that's going to happen, so I need to be all in gold and precious metals and whatever it is. And you've got to, you've got to be careful with that because just because the data says something now doesn't mean the data can't change. And this was a point that we were talking about before. So, you know, a lot of people are expecting a recession. Well, what's a recession? A recession is when you have negative GDP growth. Okay. Now, theoretically, 
the definition is two quarters of negative economic growth. And that's kind of the broad definition of an economic recession. When you have two quarters, two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth, you have a recession. We had that in the first two quarters of 2022, but we didn't have a recession because employment remained very strong. We never had a, a rise in employment. Had we had a contingent rise in unemployment, say unemployment had gotten to 5 or 6% in the first two quarters of 2022, that would have been declared a recession. But employment remained strong. But the other side of the issue is, is that we also have to look at where the economy was and is. If you go back to 2019 as an example, economy was growing. We were running about 2.5% GDP growth on an annualized basis. Nominal, not real. We're going to be talking nominal GDP here for a few moments. So that is non-inflation-adjusted GDP. So if we go back and we take a look at that period... We were at 2.5% growth. Now, in order to get to a recession, we've got to knock out that 2.5% of positive economic growth. So the, the economy has to slow by 2.5% to get to zero. And the example I used with Adam over the weekend was talking about, think, think of it this way. You are sitting on top of a mountain, right? You're 1,000 feet above sea level. In order to get to a recession, you have to get below sea level. So in other words, you've got to go down into the valley. Now, when you start heading down the mountain, are you in a recession? No. You're just going down the mountain. You're heading towards sea level, but you're not below sea level yet. And so in order to get to a recession, we've got to get below sea level. So your 2.5% nominal growth in, in 2019, we've got, to get, we've got to go all the way down the mountain to get to sea level. Then we've got to go down into the valley. So in 2020, you know, we shut down the economy and we collapsed the economy by, you know, 8%. And so we, so we definitely have a recession, right? We're negative 8% economic growth. We have a commensurate rise in unemployment. You have everything you need for a recession. So we have a recession. Then, of course, we ply the economy with, you know, $5 trillion worth of capital. And surprise, we have a big jump in GDP, right? Because all that consumption. So nominal GDP on an annualized basis got to 12%. So now you're on top of the mountain. So... We've been expecting this recession now for the last 18 months. And we haven't had one yet. And everybody's like scratching their heads like, why don't we have a recession? Because we had to go from 12% growth down to about one and a half where we are now. Right? We're still not at sea level yet. We're still above sea level. We're still coming down the mountain, but we're still above sea level. And the point is, is that the economy has slowed dramatically. We went from 12% growth to 1.5% growth. We've had very, a, a much slower rate of economic growth over the last 18 months. It just hasn't matured into a recession because we're having to reverse all of that monetary input that we've had into the economy.
it's going to it's going to take a while. But this is one of the reasons why it's been a very kind of confounding problem that's like we have all this negative economic data, but yet, you know, the markets are doing well. And the question becomes now and the things we have to consider now is that we've had we've had 18 months of slowing economic growth. When will the economy have slowed enough to reverse the surpluses that were built up in 2021 and 2022 in the economy? Right. We shut down manufacturing. We had a big supply glut. We've inventoried that back up. And now we're trying to work those things back off to normal levels. Things are stabilizing within the economy. Things are returning back to normal. All that excess money supply is now leaving the system. But things are returning more back to normal now. So how much of a decline do we need to normalize the environment? Earnings declined last year. Not dramatically, but they did. Have they declined enough? See, these are the things that we're going to have to work through and see what we're all looking for. What everybody's been looking for is they're looking for this recession that is going to be like the financial crisis, right? We're going to have this big, massive drawdown in the economy. The floor is going to fall out of everything all at once, and the markets are going to fall 30%. But we don't really have that economic environment right now. And because there was so much oversupply of of monetary stimulus, this contraction in economic growth that we've seen over the last 18 months has done the yeoman's work of a recession without actually triggering a recession. The question now is, is our stocks starting to realize that maybe the bulk of that downturn has already occurred? See, it's, it's a very confusing proposition this is what makes it so hard to invest all right be right back after the break don't go away Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So just uh, getting ready. Catching a headline here from uh, CNBC. So uh, getting ready for this week's uh, kind of economic data. Of course, as I was saying earlier, inflation report is out this week. So CPI up on deck. And of course, headline inflation will most likely have come down. Uh, Again, lower home prices feeding into the inflation, uh, the inflation index at the headline now. So we'll likely see again this continuation of slowing headline inflation. Uh, the key will be what's happening with the non-headline inflation or the core inflation and particularly the sticky price inflation that the Fed looks more closely at as to see whether that rate of inflation is falling enough to keep the Fed on hold. One of the big issues is going to be on Wednesday, of course, uh, they'll have this data because the inflation report is out tomorrow morning. 
So once we get the inflation data tomorrow, the Fed will have this, obviously, for their meeting that starts on Tuesday. They'll have their, their um, uh, announcement on Wednesday of what they're going to do. And the, the big question is, will they or won't they hike interest rates again? So right now, futures have been rising, expecting potentially a quarter basis point rate hike. Now, most of Wall Street and most analysts are expecting the Fed to pause next week or sorry, pause on Wednesday, at least for now. Um, this is, of course, what the Fed had alluded to previously, is that they were going to kind of let tighter bank lending standards step in for higher interest rates because that acts as a defaulto, kind of defaulto, <laughs> boy, that's bad, a default rate hike. And, of course, um, this is going to be one of the issues that the Fed's going to have to now kind of balance a bit between what they said previously and now going, oh, you know what, uh, inflation's not coming down as fast as we thought, assuming, and we're going to have to hike rates again. And there, there's certainly some support for further rate hikes from some of the other Fed members that have come out recently and talked about the need to maybe continuing to hike rates more. Um, we'll see what happens. But the markets are really more prepared for a pause than a rate hike. So I, I, one of the things that could kind of provide a little bit of volatility this week is a much hotter than expected inflation number for one reason or the other and a rate hike. So there's certainly some catalyst out there this week that could put a little bit of volatility into the market. Uh, right now, futures are pointing up a little bit this morning. The Dow's up about 34, 35 points. NASDAQ is up a good bit this morning. It's up about 74 points. Uh, the S&P is going to be up pretty sharply as well at the open. So, again, the market's certainly a lot more optimistic this morning right now despite this. Um, also tomorrow we've got the NFIB small business report, and that's going to be interesting because that index is already at levels that have already that has basically always been associated with recession. In fact, if you take a look at a lot of the optimism of small businesses, which comprise about 50% of employment in the country, they are not optimistic at all. Uh, credit conditions are becoming a bit more restrictive for small businesses. That's going to limit their capacity. And again, so you have this juxtaposition between what the Fed is doing, what the economic data says, and then, of course, the market you know, trying to run off to the moon. And and again, you know, we're going to be well above 4,300 right now uh, this morning at the open. Uh, that's going to put 4,400 into target. And we're, we're poaching above that 60.1, 61.8% uh, retracement level, which, you know, if the market doesn't pull back sometime soon, right, to some degree, then we're going to be back to new highs pretty quick. And that's certainly a possibility. And that's going to be, that's going to be a head scratcher for a lot of, a lot of people. It's like, how? <laughs> Take a look at the data. How are we here? But that's what markets do sometimes. Markets do things that, uh, you know, we just don't anticipate. And this is going to be one of those years where the markets have done something we just no one anticipated. And, you know, we've been trying to add exposure to portfolios, been trying to do it cautiously, um, a little bit prudent. But it's, it's challenging not to play that chase game right now. And again, you know, you try to chase these markets, you're probably going to wind up getting hurt, right? It's just that's that's what happens. You may 
chase the market here and do okay for a little bit, but generally you're going to get hurt. It's, it's often better just to kind of sit back, let the markets do what they want to do, and then wait for that opportunity to pick up you know, shares. You may have to buy stocks at higher prices than today, but you'll buy them at a better place for making money because they will have worked off some of that overbought condition. Yes, the price may be higher than it is today in six weeks or 12 weeks, whenever it is. But even though the price is higher, the opportunity is better. The risk reward will be better. And that's kind of a hard thing for people to wrap their head around. But that's the way markets work. So, again, it's going to be an interesting couple of days. And, again, an interesting. And then, like I said, on Friday, we've got quadruple witching. All option contracts expire on Friday. And we've had a lot of options being written here uh, just recently. Been a lot of speculation in the markets, a lot of option activity. So there's going to be quite a few options that are maturing on Friday. That could also lend into more volatility for the markets. So, again, you know, this is going to be an interesting week. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, this is, you know, kind of the issue that, you know, we're looking for. And I thought just to kind of wrap the show up this morning, I thought it was interesting that, you know, we've had a lot of talk lately about central bank digital currencies and this idea that, you know, we're going to have a digital currency in the U.S. And, and we're already there, right? It's just not formal. You know, again, we've, we've talked about, you know, yes, you can still have some money in your wallet, but, you know, I've been carrying around, you know, 20 bucks in my wallet for months, right? And we mostly do the vast majority of our transactions with a debit or a credit card, electronic banking. Um, you, know, you know, when was the last time you wrote a check for something, right? It's, it's probably been a while. And not saying that you don't, right? There's still some things that we write checks for in our own household, right? Our landscaper, right? We write him a check. But it's, it's becoming much more rare for us to write checks. It's becoming more rare to use cash. Even though I just from, and you know, I'm an old guy, so I just like having some cash in my wallet. I don't like driving around not having any cash just in case something happens. But, you know, my kids, they don't think twice about it, right? I don't think my son's wallet's seen a, a, a cash dollar bill in five years. I mean, just, you know, everything he does is, you know, debit, debit cards, credit cards, Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, you know, whatever it is. It's all digital. So, you know, it, it's interesting that, you know, we're very concerned about, central bank digital currencies because, oh my gosh, the, the government will be able to track everything we do. They do it anyway. They're doing it now. Um, they're, they're tagging. Per, if you make a gun purchase, they tag that on your MasterCard, right? So they can track that purchase or your visa. You pay by credit card. So, I mean, they're tracking all your purchases now, right? They know where dollars are going. And, and this is, and, and from a purely economic view, right? It's a good thing. Because now you know where money's flowing in the economy. Of course, it can be used for nefarious purposes, and, and the government has certainly demonstrated their ability to do that. But in theory, being able to track money flows within an economy should give you a better handle on how, what type of economic policies to employ 
based on what flows are doing within the overall economy, right? You should be able to help stabilize economies a bit by watching flows, in theory. Unfortunately, we have a government that wants to use these things for other purposes. So it's not surprising that a recent poll from the Cato Institute indicated that while half Americans do not have an opinion regarding whether the Federal Reserve should begin offering a government-issued digital currency called a central bank digital currency, CBDC, among those with an opinion, which is slightly more than half, over twice as many, 34% of the poll, oppose the prospect as supported. Only 16% supported it. So think about that for a moment. I, you go to 100 people, 50 people have no idea what you're talking about. There's your first problem. Out of the other 50 people that are, are, are in your poll, right, 34% of them say, yeah, I don't want one. 16% say, you know, I'm okay with it. The result of the poll was conducted from February 27th to March 8th in collaboration with YouGov and shows that Americans are concerned about a threat of a central bank digital currency. The poll results further indicate that if Americans can be educated about the abuse of government powers, a CBDC can advance. Many Americans currently undecided regarding the introduction of a CBDC will see good reason to oppose it. Emily Ekins and Jordan Gigi wrote on May 31st on an in-depth Cato Institute article concerning the poll results. Overwhelming majorities would oppose the adoption of a CBDC if it meant that the government could control what people spend their money on, that the government could monitor their spending, and that a CBDC would abolish all U.S. cash. That's the concern. So we will see kind of what happens again florida's banned cbdc's in florida texas is playing around with that idea as well so even states may push back against the idea. we'll see what happens anyway have a great day that wraps up the show we'll be back tomorrow of course tuesday we'll see uh what the market does this morning and today and we'll catch you up tomorrow on where we are and what happens next get by the website our newsletter is out as well as our daily market commentary and stick around here on the youtube channel for our three minutes on markets and money that'll be coming up shortly called before the bell it also has its own youtube channel so make sure that you're subscribed on that channel as well click the little icon to subscribe as well as the little bell to get notified this channel too we appreciate you very much have a great day see you back here tomorrow